Jeremiah, I'm super stoked to have you back, bro. Dude, it's super good to be here. Good. Well, uh, with everything going on, we figured last, well, a couple weeks ago, we went on to your podcast and right. did a Q&A and talked about coming back and doing on, one on mine today. So that's exactly what we're going to get into. But first off, how's everything going for you? Things are going good? Things are going really well, man. Um, again, I feel like the pandemic is always going to be a topic that comes up on these podcasts, but Absolutely. things are going really well. It's been super cool to see how all my clients kind of pulled together through all of this. Um, I've been super impressed. I know I posted about this a ton, but I've been super impressed with how all my clients have been handling all of this craziness. I feel like everybody's doing such a good job of like seeing the positive. I feel like more than ever, it's been really cool to see my clients like dive into the mindset side of things now some more than ever and like hitting me up with, like I was talking to you off air about like my client that's been texting your positive focus every single day. And like really seeing people dive into self-development and take this as a time to push forward and continue to improve instead of allowing it to make them regress. So it's been, it's, it's been really cool from a coach's perspective. This has been a really good time, honestly, man. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's helped us grow as coaches too and oh, yeah. look at things from um, you have to be now more than ever conscious of the mindset side of things. And you should, always right. should be, right? But now progress is a little bit different for everybody. Everybody's in a little bit of a different situation, right? I was talking with you about this off, off air as well that um, for a lot of people right now, at least inside of my program itself with my clients for a few people maintenance right now is progress right you know what i mean just because oh, there's yeah. so much going on and um people's schedules are so off whack and there's been at, added stresses to their normal day-to-day -day life with kids at home or jobs being laid off whatever it may be that looking at things from just like a little bit of a different perspective um can keep you in the game for once this whole thing is over for sure too so there's there's both sides to that i think right now too don't you think Oh, 100%, man. No, I couldn't agree more. Cool. Well, with that, we don't need to get into all the small talk. We can just get into all these <laughs> questions, I think. <laughs> cool with that? Yeah, let's get it. All right. I'll start with the first one. I'll let you answer first, okay? Bet. It is, after dealing with eating disorders, what do you find to be the best way to rebuild that healthy mindset around food so you can successfully achieve your goals? That's a pretty loaded question. Yeah, that's uh, a tough one. I, we can just try to dissect, dissect it the, the best. So well. with that, I mean, first and foremost, I don't think either of us have, we can't like give this as a diagnosis for this is how you do with an eating disorder. And I'm obviously you said this, that. this is a very much, and it depends question for everyone with any client that I've worked with has had a really hard time struggling with food and I mean again it can even depend on the disorder but it really so much just depends on where you're coming from right like we break down the end of the question for me again one more time how do you rebuild a healthy mindset around food so that you can successfully achieve your goals okay okay so I mean a lot of times we have there's so many different ends of the spectrum like for some people I would say I think that a lot of times when we talk about eating disorders or people that have struggled with eating in the past um, or having a healthy mindset, let's just go with that instead of eating disorders. Cause again, we can't say like do this I for eating disorder, but people that have struggled to have a healthy mindset with food in the past, I think that a lot of the things, a lot of times like not tracking your food 
tracking your food is unhealthy. I think that's something that gets pushed way too far. Whereas like a lot of clients that I've worked with, like I can think of one of my clients right now who's crushing it. Shout out to Lori. Um, and for the longest time, she tried all these diets. She had a terrible relationship with food. And for her, like she started coaching with me, shocked that I was going to let her eat potatoes on this diet. And so like we've been tracking calories when well some people see that as OCD for other people again and again it, it very much it depends but for other people like I think tracking calories is a thing that teaches people like okay maybe there really aren't like all these good foods and bad foods and I don't have to be scared of this food like this food's gonna make me fat and like it's okay if I just like figure out how to work this in my calories and my macros like this actually gives me a lot of flexibility and a lot of freedom to enjoy any foods I want any social events I want. So I think on one end of the spectrum, we can go there. But also, again, it so much depends. And it really, I feel like if you're a coach coaching someone through this, or it doesn't sound like she's working with a coach. So if you are doing this yourself, it's really kind of just diving into what aspects of food bother you. And like, I think we talked about journaling on the last episode as well mm-hmm. in like almost a similar context, but really diving into like, where did this come from? I think some of that's just like the mental work you have to do on yourself. And then like if tracking, if being super OCD with things does bother you, then I would take it to something like in situations like this, I generally like something like precision nutrition's handful diet. So where here we're really just focused on, and another good way to look at this is like not focusing on fat loss for a long time. Like maybe maintenance is a good thing, or maybe you're focusing on your performance in the gym and you're seeing how that's improving. And then we're looking at like, okay, I'm focusing on eating one to two palm sized portions of protein at every meal, one to two cupped hands of carbs, one to two thumbs of fat, and one to two fistfuls of veggies at most of my meals. And then from there, that gives you a good like healthy balance of all these different macros that you need for your body, all the different nutrients you need. But if you're somebody that the idea of tracking all this stuff on like my fitness file, for example, does create a lot of stress and anxiety for you. And that's potentially like part of the issue for you. Like you had a history of being overly obsessive with in the past. Then I think that this is a good way to, you can still achieve great body composition because we still have the foundations of good nutrition there, which you don't have to track all these numbers. I feel like that's, again, I feel like this is something we go so far into, but in a nutshell that's what i would say yeah it comes down to i feel like there's two different spectrums on this there's the people that are track overly obsessed with tracking their food intake and there's that way that it's unhealthy and then there's people who don't understand the difference between or the the mindset of having good and bad foods to where if they just learn how to track and how that can affect their body um you can get healthier in that sense so you can come at it from either spectrum and i like what you said and and shameless plug and this is no meant not meant to like make you think you have to have coaching but coaching really does help i was in the same Mm -hmm. sort of situation i remember being and i've talked about this a little bit i remember being in a chronic calorie deficit for such a long time and i had an unhealthy mindset towards food and thinking that eating more food was going to digress me towards my goal when in reality what i was doing was um stalling me from actually being able to reach my long-term goals and so when you put somebody in place that you trust and you can just follow their guidance to what you should do and you have full trust into them, then um, they can guide you to a healthier way of eating if you'll put your full trust in them. Now, don't just hire somebody 
and then I've ran into this with people too before is they'll, they'll hire me and then they, they'll decide they'll stay stuck in their mindset um, and then not really follow what I'm giving them and wonder why they're still not seeing the results. So it can go both ways. And right. that's when you have to break down the mindset and really break down all the layers back of the onion layer by layer. Right. And right. get down to what the real issue is, but having somebody there that you have a lot of trust in that can lead you to where you're trying to go um, can really help. Or if you can't afford a coach or you don't want to coach just doing the, the research for yourself and understanding what side of the spectrum you're on. If you're overly restrictive and you're tracking far too much your food and that's what's causing the unhealthy relationship, or if you're not tracking at all and just thinking you have to eat healthy and you don't understand um, the law of thermodynamics and macronutrients and micronutrients and all these different types of things, start researching more into that and it'll probably give you a better realization of what your next steps moving forward should be to better your relationship inside of your nutrition to be able to reach your body composition goals a little bit easier. So that's my take anyway. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And I mean, just anecdotally, I personally, I've seen a lot more people struggling with this. I have to only eat clean foods and then tracking empowers them a lot more. I've honestly haven't, I haven't worked with very many clients where it's the other way around where it's like, okay, this is getting to be an unhealthy relationship you have with tracking. I honestly, and I don't know what your experience is with that. Pretty similar. But I honestly think like where we see more of that is you, when you get deep, deep into like, like, do you know who Jill Coleman is? Yeah. Okay. So on her, my podcast that dropped yesterday with her, actually, we were talking about this. Like for her, she'd done a ton of physique compositions. She was so obsessive about her food. And then that was like tracking all these like minute details. And for for that, that's like a situation where it's like when you're, I feel like when people are like super, super advanced and like we're getting to like a lot of physique compositions, things like that, that is where it gets to be more like, or at least from what I've seen where like the tracking is the thing that's like, okay, this is just too much. I need to dial this back. Absolutely. Or even maybe like people in our position, a little mm-hmm. bit more like other coaches. I see like, I feel like that's where it's more common. And then with more gin pop clients, it's more the other way around where like, okay, no, actually this knowledge around foods is what's the most empowering. Yeah, I I agree 100%. I think we, we know that pretty well. And again, um, let me just pull that back up one more time. When it comes to eating disorders, just like Jeremiah said, we aren't the people to necessarily right. be able to help you with that. And I think it's super important to stay in your lane as a coach oh, yeah. and your profession. So I really appreciate you saying that because that's what right. I expected you, your answer to be and to, to dive more into the healthy mindset around foods. Because again, right. that's not our profession. We can help but we can't diagnose or create a prescription for you to to right and i would say one last thing before we move on from this if you're still struggling with that go get professional help with that Mm -hmm. before you try to work with a coach or anything else because until you get that part of it figured out until you get the mental side of it figured out which professional will be able to help you with better than a coach then like you get that figured out then go work with the coach then go achieve your body composition goals but if you're still like in the thick of that go get professional help first Mm -hmm. and full transparency i started working with somebody once who had a a mental eating disorder and didn't quite realize it before i started working with them and as we started to work as i started working with them and realized it um i realized that i wasn't the correct person to be able to help them with the correct scope of experience or expertise to help them in that scenario because again that's not our 
<laughs> right. um, our, our specialty. So anyway, let's move on to the next question. I think we got that one pretty good. Yes, sir. I, so I have how many hit or cardio sessions do you recommend for fat loss? That's a good question. Um, again, like every question will say, start out, it depends <laughs> big time. But typically, um, the sweet spot that I like to see is anywhere between one to three sessions and to match the hit to the, to the list. So if you're going like to do that. one hit, it's typically one list with that. If it's, if it's three sessions, I'll typically keep it to the one hit. I'll try to, and the other two lists, unless the client really likes the hit and it's not going to impede their recovery too much. I'll add more right. of the hit type of stuff in, but, um, yeah, it just depends. I'll start. I like to start with cardio as minimal as possible. So we'll start with the training sessions. Um, typically this isn't for everybody, but typically it's somewhere between three to four training sessions per week. Um, for a general fat loss client, who's looking to lose anywhere from 10, 20, 30 pounds, probably three to four sessions per week strength training with one to two cardio sessions per week. Generally, I like to start that at just one cardio session per week and work it up gradually as we need to throughout the program to avoid plateaus and continue um, creating the progress inside of their weight loss that they're looking for. I love it. So when you start with that one cardio session, would you normally start with like some aerobic work, like some lists, or would you do a hit session? I will ask. It depends. It depends on like what it. they're going to like best. Okay. Um, so like, okay. what do you enjoy? Do you want something that's going to be quicker, like 10 to 20 minutes? It's going to be um, more like intense with short interval type work or do you want do you enjoy sitting on a treadmill or going outside and walking for 30 40 minutes so right. it really it really just depends on that aspect but if it's hit i generally like to do like something like maybe wall balls with some kettlebell swings and like some sort of ab work in there too in that sort mm -hmm. of sense to where it's sped up um like that so so yeah right so oh 100 and that's i think that like we could we could really with this split hairs and talk about like aerobic work versus anaerobic work and like all your energy systems mm -hmm. but the reality is if i give or if we give a client 90 minutes of lists a week and they hate doing lists and they don't stick to it it doesn't really matter right so i love yeah. how you said you ask the clients what they prefer because that's that's what i like to do too unless it's somebody that's like okay give me just the most optimal plan possible yeah absolutely then we'll do which again, I really like the one, one hit for one list session. That's a good rule of thumb. That's generally what I do too. But again, the most important thing, what does the client enjoy and what can they stick to? Um, from there, I would say one other thing to touch on here, which you already kind of alluded to is cardio is further on in the progression of what you add, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about how- If it's for weight loss, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So if we're talking about how many hit or how many cardio sessions for fat loss, first and foremost, we have to look at like realize that the number one catalyst for your fat loss is going to be your nutrition. What's that like? And really for most people, that's where working with a nutrition coach makes a crazy difference because most people are like in the, I get so many clients that have been smashing themselves in like orange dairy or some type of yeah. very high intensity cardio, like four to five times a week. But aren't sure what they're doing with their nutrition and they're not really doing a lot of resistance training. So when we're talking about like getting lean and strong, they're kind of spinning their wheels. So for most people getting the nutrition dialed in and then getting that blend of strength training in there as well, and then sprinkling in cardio as needed is a huge thing. And honestly, yeah. even like tracking your steps makes a big difference too. That's what I was just going to say. If you 
don't like cardio necessarily what a lot of coaches do and i will try to do with people who have step trackers who can track steps is just simply give them a tracking goal or a, a step goal every single day somewhere right. between for most people somewhere between probably eight thousand to ten thousand is the a general good rule of thumb to try to hit every mm -hmm. single day inside of a, a fat loss phase, as well as because your neat starts to go down the longer that you're in right. a fat loss phase as well. As you say in that calorie deficit, your neat will go down. So keeping on top of your steps every single day and getting in um, the neat that you're getting in as you started. So it doesn't digress as much as it could um, is a good rule of thumb to keep you from plateauing as well. Not even have to add in as much cardio over time. So hundred percent. And I mean, if we're looking at like health, we know that some aerobic work or like anything that's not just high intensity intervals. So think like longer than 40 seconds, some aerobic work is important for your cardiovascular health. And Absolutely. also it improves your ability to get back in a parasympathetic state quicker so you can better recover from your training. You can better deal with even life stress outside of the gym, weirdly enough, as you improve your aerobic system, you can better deal with that. So I think some aerobic work is important, but again, we have to look at this hierarchy of, okay, first and foremost, you have a nutritional point. Then are you checking, are you hitting your training super consistently? Then I, I typically tell people, then are we hitting your steps, sleep and stress, and then we add in cardio. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a good rule of thumb. And you're exactly right. For a long time, I was on the trend like, you don't need cardio to lose weight, which, <laughs> which you don't. And I've gotten as lean as I've ever been in my entire life, sub 10% body fat without ever adding a, a single ounce of cardio in. Right. But at the end of the day, you have to remember, usually the goal of this whole thing is health. And right. so cardio is healthy to include. So a couple sessions per week is great. And I follow Jeremiah's program, Lean, for 12 weeks. It's been a couple months ago since I finished that, which was awesome, by the way. I don't think we ever talked about that, but I really enjoyed I don't think we did, but I really enjoyed that program. And I really enjoyed the way that you programmed in the cardio with the different type of energy systems and whatnot through. So the variety, and this is individual, but variety for a lot of people um, makes the cardio not as bad i guess especially for a, a junkie or a nerd like me that likes to see different styles of programming i never ran anything like that so i i really enjoyed that thank you man that means a lot. and that's i was in the same boat until like two years ago i was the anti-cardio guy for mm. but for me more so than fat loss i think the biggest realization i've had is how much cardio improves your performance we're actually yeah i've realized muscle. that too mm -hmm. that was that was the biggest thing for me like it was like and my recovery is way better. And I'm not just like my, because I know for me, it got to the point where my cardio system and damn, we're completely off on a way different topic now, but for like right. for building That's muscle, right. when we're talking about, okay. So like any time for hypertrophy, if we're trying to build a muscle, this girl's probably like, damn, why are they talking? About <laughs> anytime we're trying to That's build okay. muscle, we want that specific muscle group that we're trying to build. So say it's your quads, say I'm doing a heavy set of back squats and I'm trying to build my quads. So we want, the limiting factor, the thing that is fully fatigued and gives out first to be your quads. Mm -hmm. But like for me, for the longest time, it was just like my cardio system, like shit, I'm dying. So to me, like realizing how much that was actually holding back my progress in the gym was a crazy thing. But anyways, way off, way off the topic from fat loss there. But no, super interesting. So. I, uh, I like that though too, because when you train upper body and the more advanced that you get, typically you have to start adding in more superset type work. Mm -hmm. 
antagonist supersets and whatnot, like a, a horizontal press for a horizontal row. And I'm the same way. I started dreading my training because I was having to add in supersets to hit my volume, but I was, I was so fatigued inside of my training that I really probably wasn't. Um, my my strength or my cardio was giving out before my strength was actually right. in those particular muscle groups. So it was um, it was hurting me as well, which I've gotten a little bit better with, especially as I started your programming. I've seen a, a much better improvement in, in all aspects of that too. So, so yeah. thank you, man. That means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Should we move on? Let's do it. All right. The question is, if my maintenance is 1900, will it always be 1900 at the same weight or can muscle increase it? So will it always be 1900 at the same weight? So your maintenance, so basically your metabolism, your maintenance calories right now are pretty much a product of your current body size. So basically your current body weight, how much you're eating and how much you're moving. So if we look at like, okay, let's say her maintenance is 1900. So I'm guessing she's probably pretty light, probably like, 120s i would guess um okay so anyways we could say like for her there's a couple cases if right now she maintains at 1900 she can maintain it more basically we still have to look at this calories in and calories out equation right so like right now your weight the calories you burn just at rest so for your body's weight your organs breathing different things like that the calories you burn during digestion the calories you burn through movement outside of the gym and the calories you move through movement in the gym, that's your metabolism right now. That is equated with, so that's your calorie, that's equated with calories in or the calories that you're eating. So she wants to be able to maintain more or eat more to maintain at this weight, then likely we'll have to one, increase movement outside of the gym, two, increase movement in the gym, or we could swap fat for some muscle that said that's a very very little difference so say you're 120 and you have 20 pounds of fat on you you build five pounds of muscle you lose five pounds of fat you say 120 muscle is slightly more metabolically active that said like per pound of muscle you add there used to be this old thinking that like every pound of muscle you add burns just a ton of calories because of your metabolism a crazy amount really it's like <laughs> it's like six calories per day so not a i mean in the grand scheme of things if you have an extra 30 calories you burn per day over the course of the year that is quite a few calories so like that adds another 30 calories your day and then if we look at the macros that you're eating and the thermic effect of food so we know that protein burns the most calories during digestion it's about i think anywhere from 20 to 35 percent Carbs is like five to fifteen percent, and fats are zero to five percent as burn during digestion. So, and this is one of the biggest things I focus on, especially with like, I like this strategy for women that have actually that are like pretty recent post postpartum. So, say like women that we know we don't want to cut their calories down drastically because, like for example, they just had a baby. We need to keep calories high, but we're still kind of chasing body recomposition, so we want to keep feeding them a lot of food but they also want to lose a bit of fat. If we increase the percentage of calories that you're eating via protein, even if we don't increase your overall calories, you're still going to burn more calories because the thermic effect of food is greater. So I would say basically if you want to be able to maintain and keep the same weight, you're going to have to, if you could swap muscle for fat again, though, that's not going to make a huge difference. I would honestly just not be it. I would push somebody in this situation to like, not be attached to that weight and just focus on even adding a little bit more muscle. Um, you could eat more protein, 
or we can increase movement outside of the gym. So like increase your steps, like we talked about earlier, or just increase your training volume. Mm-hmm. I think you nailed that. All, one thing just to, to add to that is I would really make sure that your maintenance is actually 1900, or if you've been That's in a, a chronic calorie deficit for a long time, which I find with females, not all, well, yeah, it's usually with females if you're that low of calories at 1900 and you've deemed that your maintenance i would slowly try to increase calories without really changing anything just to see for a month or two just to see what that does to your weight and if you can slowly increase and you can stay consistent and adherent to that calorie intake and you're not gaining weight well you're slowly just adjusting your metabolism back up to get to a true maintenance so if you're still hung if you're still really hungry if you're really food focused sleep is bad, biofeedback is bad. I would look at doing that first and foremost, if you're looking to um, increase your metabolism to be able to have a higher maintenance level. So that's just something to add, but everything that Jeremiah said, I think is, is right on the button. No, man, I, I should have thought of that. I agree hundred percent. And like I was saying, if your, if your maintenance is only, if your true maintenance is only 1900, it's likely a very, very like slight person. Or, um, yeah, if you're not like 120 with very little amounts of, right. of muscle mass, not always, like it always depends on the individual, but typically I would, my first instinct would be to look at um, trying to up your, trying to increase that maintenance, get your metabolism right. back up a little bit quicker first. Right, because the beauty of this is like when we're talking about knee, we talk about adaptive metabolisms and some people's metabolisms, <laughs> as we feed them more, without even realizing it, you'll increase the amount of all this fidgeting pacing that you do. So therefore you're, you'll burn more calories. So that's why we see some clients that have this huge range, like 800 calories they can maintain it. So like maybe you could maintain at 1900 or if you tried bumping calories up, you could maintain all the way up at like 2,400. And how would you get somebody to do that? So let, maybe that will help them more. So we say just increase calories, but how would you go about increasing calories to try that? Like how much per week? Right. So this is actually where last time we talked about reverse dieting and how we Same don't. sort of thing. Exactly. Where we yeah. don't really deal with our clients under maintenance. But this is where I kind of see the process of reverse dieting actually having some merit is when 100%. we're kind of trying to bump up where your maintenance is at. So we're starting at your estimated maintenance. I would say that one of the most important things here is that you're actually still taking body measurements and still looking at how your weight is trending. Because if you don't have metrics, you don't actually know how your body is changing. You don't actually know like that. if you're maintaining. So from there, I would just make sure you're eating, I'd say one to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Then from there we keep, if we want to make this like the most ideal situation for most people, I would keep that pretty low, probably like 0.3 to 0.4 grams per pound of body weight and then bump carbs up. I would increase calories via carbs because carbs are going to give us basically your body's your preferred fuel source. So you intake more carbs makes it more likely that you're going to be expending more energy. So you'll have more energy in the gym. You'll be able to recover better. Um, since they blunt cortisol, you'll likely be able to sleep better at night too. But so it makes sense to increase calories via carbs. And then I would just, I honestly, when I do this, I take it. So, so like, okay, we know you maintain right now at 1900. Let's bump to 1975 this week. All right. Then we watch how your weight trends across. So I would say anywhere from 50 to hundred calories. If the clients okay with, I typically ask like, how aggressive do you want to be here? Mm-hmm. But the reality is like people are often scared 
I think yeah. we talked about this at last Q&A too. Especially females in this situation because they don't want to gain weight, but they want to be able to eat more food a lot exactly. of the time. Exactly. And I think the big thing to realize here is to gain one pound of fat, you need to eat at least 3,500 calories over maintenance. So by us bumping your calories by 100 for one week, the most you could possibly gain, and it won't really work like this because your body will increase movement some, the thermic effect of food, all this, but the most you could possibly gain is whatever one thirty fifth of a pound of fat is. It's not much. Like, yeah. It's like <laughs> very, under very a little. fourth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we have like all your measurements, your weight, we see exactly how you're changing. So if you, if you handle that well, and sometimes it'll, we'll go, okay, let's drag this out another week. See how you're doing here. Now we're going to add another 1500. Mm-hmm. And then I would just increase, keep increasing that until we start to see measurements specifically around the waist. There's so many factors here because also we're looking at like training performance. Are you making gains in the gym? So typically we're looking at like, how are your navel measurements changing? Mm-hmm. We start to see your body measurements changing because also in a, in a typically this is in like right before we're about to start to see a lean gains phase. So, or right before we're about to start a lean gains phase, but we're actually trying to intentionally gain weight very slowly, like a client building lean muscle. Mm-hmm. So, which is another good thing to do if you want, like we talked about, if you want to be able to maintain on higher calories, but from there, I mean, body measurements and then just slowly increasing the calories via carbs, I would say would be the most ideal thing. By like 50, 70, 50 to a hundred roughly. I said 50 to a hundred. And then once you see, once you do see like in body measurements that that's starting to increase. So I would say multiple weeks, two weeks or more where you see at least a quarter inch gain both times, then you know, okay, I passed my maintenance. I'm going to dial it back a bit and then you can sit there. But the beauty is again, like, over time, if you keep training hard, keep eating lots of protein, keep moving, keep your movement up, your metabolism could continue to adapt. And you could even try again in the future to push it a little bit higher and see how far you can go. Mm-hmm. And just to, to finish off on that nugget, realize that you are always in control. A little bit of weight gain is not the end of the world. If you're right. training consistently, if you're staying on, if you're staying adhered to your nutrition protocols, even if you gain just, a, if you're trying to push your maintenance up a little bit and you gain a little bit of weight, it's not the end of the world. If, if you stay in control and don't get so emotionally attached to the scale, it's just giving you data so that you know that you can't keep increasing. You can come back down to right. your true maintenance and then decide if it's time for you to go into the calorie surplus to be able to put on a little bit of muscle to increase that maintenance further over time or whatever your, your further goal is. But I think a lot of people get, um, just overly consumed by the scale and if it goes up it's automatically related to being something bad oh yeah understanding that if you're in complete control of your food intake and your training and the scale goes up a little bit because of an adjustment you made it's not the end of the world all you have to do is simply adjust back down if you need to and you can continue on and and figure things out but don't not do something just because you're too scared of the scale increasing. I ran into that with people a lot of the times just understand that you're in complete control and as long as you're taking data you can take the necessary measurements whenever needed to dictate your own outcomes. Exactly. Exactly. I think the biggest fear is people think like, okay, I've gone through this whole fat loss phase. Normally this, Mm -hmm. this situation comes up. People have gone through a whole fat loss phase with you, which is where they started coaching with you. And now it seems like if we increase calories, I'm going to lose all my progress and be right back to square one overnight, Mm -hmm. which the reality is it would take you months and months of purposely trying to undo what you created like these changes you created in your body to actually be able to do that 
Exactly. 100%. People create a result and then they're so scared of losing it that they end up in an extreme measure just to hold on to it. When what we talked about on your podcast before, the overall goal is maintenance, right? So increasing that maintenance sometimes can be the best thing possible for you. And just experimenting and figuring out your body and where your metabolism is at so that you can try to improve it over time is key in my opinion. No, 100%, dude. All right, you ready for this next one? Yeah, we crushed that one too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have HBO or Netflix? Uh, for me, it's Netflix. If I had to choose between HBO and Netflix, it's definitely – I like that question. Let's get off of the whole training situation for a second. It's a lot different. <laughs> it's probably definitely Netflix. I just watched the – the tiger show have you watched the tiger show yet no i haven't oh man <laughs> i started watching it like seven o'clock at night um a couple of sunday nights ago or no saturday night at like seven o'clock at night it didn't go to bed till four o'clock that morning they just stayed oh, up shit. Watching the whole thing yeah it's actually that good no <laughs> it's pretty dumb but yeah you just kind of get sucked into it i do that with shows i'll start watching a show and i won't stop watch i'll make excuses to not go to bed just to continue watching it so it was pretty good it was funny but uh, okay what what are shows what else do you watch oh man i honestly this is a terrible answer but i don't watch a ton of tv anymore i'll I'll watch youtube a little bit like if i'm gonna sit down and watch something regularly it's it's normally something on youtube sometimes i'll watch different vlogs and whatnot but uh just depends i'm more into that kind of stuff and seeing what other people are doing and like get motivate little motivation nuggets yeah. you know what i mean out of other no, cool exactly. people that i look up to and what they're doing opposed to sitting down and watching a movie like what i just said i started watching the tiger show at seven o'clock at night and stay up till four o'clock in the morning <laughs> i try not to do that too often so i typically more like on youtube watching vlogs who do i even watch on there i watch a lot of joe podcasts i watch a lot of joe rogan okay okay I like it. Honestly, man, that's super similar to how, how I am. I feel like even when it's like, I'm just relaxing and watching something, it still kind of ties back to like value. I I really like, I really like Christian Guzman's vlogs. Actually, do you ever watch his? Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. Like he's kind of uh, with Christian, he's a cool dude to watch his story. Exactly. I, I can relate to it in a sense. So I've always kept up to tabs with, with his vlogs and whatnot too, just because what he's been able to do has been impressive. Like me opening my gym, full transparency, I started watching the online coach when he had the campus. Do you know the online coach? Huh. You don't know who the online coach is from no. California, Raymond Kier though? So I, I don't. Anyway, there was him. He opened a gym in Temecula, California, called the Campus, and okay. then I was, and then I was watching Christian Guzman, and they both opened their own gyms, and roughly the same age. Like Christian's, I think, even a year younger than I am, and then Raymond's a little bit older. But anyway, I started watching them, and I was like, "There's," and they we were like the same type of people, same sort of mindset. It's like there's no reason that I can't go out and do this for myself too. So really, like my right. career today was started because I started watching other people on That's YouTube dope. accomplishing the stuff that I wanted to accomplish, which gave me no excuse to not at least go out and try because I didn't right. see them being any better than I was, like as a just a normal human being. You know what I mean? Sometimes we get wrapped up in that, like, oh, I can't do that. But really, there's people all over this is a side tangent but there's people all over the world no better than you doing the exact things that you want to be doing so that's how i spend my time too it's always a value driven which is not good because my brain never shuts off but i'm always watching something that's like giving me some sort of stimulant in some sort of way that's not just like chilled out and the brain shut off my i'm always going dude that is exactly how i am too like my girl will just 
she loves free books, which is so like Amazon or Audible gives her. No, like, it's because it's on her Kindle. So like they fictional, have like, fictional books. Yeah. yeah. So they have like every month they release. It's the funniest thing. It's the most mind blowing thing to me because every month they'll release like three books. She has no idea what they are. She'll just hop on there and just read them. What? And just <laughs> to me, that's like what? That is crazy. Like, I like anything. Anytime reading, anytime watching anything, generally, it's like I need to like be feel like I'm taking some type of like personal development value or it relates back to the business. Um, that said, when we take it to the HBO versus Netflix that's i honestly like don't watch that many shows i watched westworld on hbo and that was one of the have you ever watched westworld no but i've heard of it before but i haven't i haven't watched it that was one of the few shows that actually has like sucked me in um i so i guess i'll go with hbo that's a hard one for me honestly yeah i did game of thrones me and my wife did game of thrones okay hbo too but that's over with but um to go back to what you're saying about your your girlfriend right Mm -hmm. yeah so with you two how she could sit down and just read a fictional book my wife did the same does the same thing she'll sit down and just read a random book that and i'm just like how the hell do you sit there like how do you how how amazing to me yeah which is cool because their brain can just shut off and they can just dive into something right and like be completely like complacent and just okay with it which is an awesome attribute but i wish i had more of that yeah same with me but for (laughs) me it's like just go, go, go. I don't ever shut off. I'm always, if I'm not working on something, it, this is bad. If I'm not working on something or like something that's self-development or learning something new and I'm sitting there for some reason, I feel guilty about it. Yeah. And I think I'm wasting my time, which that's not a good, I don't feel like people should be like that. That's like a weird, it's a blessing right. and a curse, but yeah. No, honestly, that's one. I'm sure this has been, again, we're kind of getting off on tangent here, but I'm sure this is how it's been in your relationship too. Like, my girl has helped me more than anything realize that that's important. And I have to be able to, at least for like a couple of hours, try to like figure out how to shut that off. I'm like, okay, like mm-hmm. now I do need to be present and actually just focus on my relationships instead of thinking about like personal development or like what's the next move with coaching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's cool that you bring that up because, um, with me and my wife, she just kind of accepts me for being that way. But my daughter forces that out of me. And you, mm, you'll get point. to that point um, at some point as well to where like the best thing that you might be able to do for your personal development is actually just be in the moment, especially with your little ones and things like mm-hmm. that. Cause I get so caught up in the day to day, running the gym, doing coaching, everything that we have going on, getting back with clients, trying to give the best service possible. Right. That, that this sounds terrible, but I'll let that take priority to everything but my but thinking that the only reason i'm doing it is to benefit them when really what's going to benefit them is just giving them my myself in that moment instead of only focused on what's going on out here that's a big thing for me and in my own self-development now that i'm trying to realize and and go into this has all gone from hbo and netflix (laughs) (laughs) no that is super that is super insightful though dude but i mean the same thing like me and my girl, we dated in from my freshman year of college. We dated for five years, cool. and then we broke up for this exact reason. It was like I could, I was so obsessed with like this is the life I'm gonna build for us, what we're gonna create. But that wasn't actually what she wanted at all. So now for me, it's like yeah. okay, at least at once, at least once a week, for at least one day a week, I have to just be unplugged from all this, whatever it takes, like plan all my socials, everything out ahead, get all that created. So I can literally just be present 
hanging out with Katie because for her and like same thing with like getting stricter and stricter about okay these are my cutoff times every single night on my schedule even if like left to my own devices I would love to just keep this going until right when I go to bed mm-hmm. for her and for a relationship this is like I need to just be able to not focus on this and just be present so that's interesting that you from the perspective of it's your daughter that kind of puts that on you yeah she she forces out of me my wife would love it too but again she just she understands who she married i guess right i'm just go 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 and sometimes i'll like i said sometimes i'll use the excuse myself just like you said i'll be doing what i'm doing and i'll justify it by saying it's going to help them when it's 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 honestly not money only goes so far. You need to be secure, obviously, but at the end of the day, your attention and your presence is far more important than, than your career. Do you know what I mean? There's a fine balance to find there. And unfortunately a lot, I still have to work tremendously on finding that balance. And it's something that I do. And it's something that my wife helps ground me with because she's a good example because she can just be so present, like read a book or just be there and be mom and not have her mind thinking about, Oh, that's a good piece of content or whatever. Oh no, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's so relatable. And I, I love talking about this topic because this is something that I've tried to focus on a ton lately. And I think like all entrepreneurs, like just like we said here, we all struggle with a similar thing, but like mm-hmm. that, like body, mind balance business or body mindset relationships business you know the typical like four pillars of your life mm-hmm. the relationships are always i think for again for entrepreneurs relationships are like always the hardest part right yeah i look at a guy like gary v and wonder how he does it like i don't, I don't know if you follow his stuff much but he's got kids he's got um he's got a wife and he's never home. He's always gone doing what he's doing, which, which he preaches, um, do you like do what's going to make you happy, which I agree with 100%, but to an extent at the same time, you've got to do you, but you've got to realize the relationships that you have and the obligations you have to others at the same time and, and find that balance. Oh, I, I agree hundred percent, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you want to take back? <laughs> absolutely. Which, um, full transparency. I love Gary V, but, all right here's a good one how do i know if i'm overdoing it calorie deficit and exercise wise so this is where biofeedback really comes in which is why i think it's so important that people track biofeedback i have all my clients track this i mean if you're overdoing it with both the weight loss or with both your calorie deficit and your exercise you're just gonna shitty a Mm. lot you're gonna feel excessively tired now this very much depends on like how lean the person is as well. But I would say like, if you constantly feel crazy lethargic, you're super hungry, you have constant cravings. I mean, a good rate of weight loss to aim for for most people is 0. 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week. So I would say first and foremost, I would look at that. Now, again, this kind of depends on the individual because if you are super lean or you're pretty lean already, obviously you're going to have to slow that down a little bit. But for most people falling somewhere in that 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week is a good mark. Once we get past that, that's when people really start to feel just really crappy overall. We're at a higher risk for muscle loss and also you'll see biofeedback get a lot worse. So like I typically tell people, I mean, some hunger in a diet phase is just a given. And if you're going to get like photo shoot lean, the reality is you're going to have to be pretty damn hungry. 
but, but if we're just dieting down to like a lifestyle lean, let's say, so for dudes like the 12% body fat and for women probably like 16 to 20% body fat. So you're pretty lean. You can see your abs, but you're not absolute shredded. I would say for the most part, like their hunger, I typically tell people should probably be like a 2.5 to a 3.5. You will have days occasionally where hunger will be like, and this is like one being low, five being high. Maybe occasionally we'll have days where hunger is like a four or even like a 4.5, but hunger shouldn't consistently be at like a five. Now, again, all this is very context dependent. Because if you're just getting really shredded, like you know, is really, really hungry towards the end of that. Yeah, it's hard. But I would say hunger is a good thing to look at. Your energy levels are a good thing to look at. If your training performance is dropping a lot, if your training performance is dropping rapidly in the gym, which again, it's just depending on how you're lean you're getting. But if you're going from, okay, I'm feeling pretty fluffy to I just want to get lifestyle lean again. We shouldn't see training performance take a massive hit. So I would say those are my biggest things I would look at. And then even like motivation and mood are good like ones that. as well. Absolutely. I like that. To, to simplify it, really, um, just take a look at your progress in the last four weeks. How much progress have you made? Um, are you in between that 0.5 to 1% weight loss per week range? If you are, you're probably not overdoing it in my opinion when it comes to the nutrition side of things now you could be creating that deficit through too much training potentially um but typically i don't usually find that to be the case if you're training three to six times per week with hour or so sessions you're probably okay in that sense so i would look at your progress first and foremost are you in that range are you losing more than that are you losing less than that and then look at biofeedback like jeremiah mentioned with your stress with your sleep with your motivation with your um how food focused are you? How often are you thinking about food? What are your cravings like? All those types of things. And if they're manageable, you're probably not overdoing it. But if they're all at extremes, then, and if you've been at the diet for quite a while, then it might be a good idea to look at going through a reverse or or taking a little bit longer of a diet break or something from that sense. But but yeah, I agree. I would say. I agree, man. I don't really have anything more to add to that one. No, neither do I. Do you have any more questions? Yeah, so I have, this is another one that we could probably go on for a while. Can you explain what nutritional periodization even means? That's a great question. You could definitely complicate that. But in, I'll just say it um, as simple as possible, like I, I tend to try to do. All that it is is making sure that you are going through different phases inside of your nutrition with your body composition. You're changing up the goals every now and again to be able to reach a long-term goal faster. Right. So basically, you're going to go through calorie deficit phases. You're going to, excuse me, you're going to schedule in maintenance phases and you're potentially going to schedule in bulking phases as well. So typically inside of my own nutritional periodization for myself, what I like to run is I'll run a calorie deficit phase usually for only about three months out of the year tops is generally around three months out of the year, right before going into summer. Actually, I'm about to start it soon. But anyway, I'll go through that. I'll lose weight. I'll get 
I'll get lean and then I'll go through reverse for a month or so potentially up to a maintenance and then up for me, I'll sit at maintenance for maybe one to two months, depending on how I'm feeling. And then I'll go into a bulking phase, a slight caloric surplus, a lean gaining phase for a little while and put on a little bit of fat throughout that phase and then repeat that cycle. And what that's doing is over time, it's constantly improving my, my body composition. I'm not set up in a state to where I'm chronically in a calorie deficit. Like I was at one point where I was two years in a deficit, losing a lot of muscle, losing a lot of strength. So my performance is able to increase as well as my body composition, body fat levels to muscle um, percentage ratios are able to increase over time. So that's kind of how I pay attention to to nutritional periodization, as well as it's just as much for your mind and your motivation as it is for the whole physical side of it. Always staying inside of a calorie deficit gets super draining on your lifestyle, on your mood, on your sleep, on your food focus. It can really, if you'll stay in a calorie deficit for too long, it can really wreck your life and almost it will reverse your results in the long run. So making sure you're taking time to come up to a maintenance, to keep your hormones at optimized levels, to keep your metabolism running at an optimal state as well. It just gets more and more important for a long-term or sustainable result to be periodizing your diet with different caloric intakes over different times. I crushed that, man. I had very little to add. I (laughs) just basically, you're taking phases where focus on fat loss, Phases where you're focused on maintenance, phases where you're focused on eating a little bit more and building. Mm-hmm. And different people, some people may not care to build as much. Right. Um, it just, it depends on where you're at with your body composition. Some people, if you have 50 to 100 pounds to lose, the last thing on your mind is is going through a building phase. Do you know what True. I mean? That, that, and I work with people like this, that their periodization is generally calorie deficit for anywhere from three to six months maintenance phase for as long as it takes for them to come back to rebuilding their motivation rebuilding their biofeedback um, and just getting to an optimized state to be able to go back into that deficit to keep creating fat loss over time i don't know if you've experienced or had much experience with that or had clients oh for sure big amounts of weight to lose and to where the periodization is really deficit to maintenance to deficit yes sir yeah no i've had a lot of similar like lose 30 to 40 pounds. Okay. Let's hang out for about a month here because I feel like typically too. And I mean, in cases like that, it's not so much. I think that the biggest benefit really, is just the mental side of things. Like people get burnt out on, which is why, you know, so many people that have for years and years and years been dieting, but never actually achieve what they want. Like I think that a big part of the benefit of diet breaks or even longer maintenance phases is the psychological side of things. Like we just get so sick of dieting that typically we'll see adherence start to dip and that's when you know, okay, it's a good time to take this maintenance phase. Yeah. And just to add on to that, periodizing your nutrition is what will get you out of the yo-yo effect. Oh, 100%. A lot is with people, if you don't have a, uh, a goal after the goal, generally you're going to end up putting that weight back on. Right. And like I, the stats somewhere between like 90% or maybe a little bit more 90% of people who lose weight end up putting all of it back. I think it's at least 10 pounds end up putting it all back on, if not more within the first year. I think it's like 95% and then 80% end up gaining more. Yeah. I think it's a stat. Yeah. So um, with that, if that's you and you've been in that situation and you've, you've yo-yoed, you've lost a lot of weight, and then you end up putting it back on or you end up putting more back on over time, it's most likely because you didn't have a goal 
for after the goal, which the goal after the goal, if it's, if the initial goal is fat loss, generally that needs to be maintenance. But most people will go through a, a super hard fad diet, restrictive diet, lose a bunch of weight. There's not a problem. Losing weight's not hard. You just have to, you can cut out carbs or you can only eat healthy foods, whatever it may be. But then once you're done, you don't have a plan for after the diet, which takes you back to old habits because you felt so restricted and you end up in this yo-yo effect. Learning to periodize your nutrition over a year and over the rest of your life really is what creates a long-term um, term improvement in your body composition that you can sustain. 100%. And I would say if you're struggling with this, again, work with a coach to 100%. take you through it that's i know on our initial call the first thing we do is walk through okay here's what your sex next six months potentially in your next year is going to look like here's how we're going to periodize this here's how all these phases are going to go together to make sure we get you and you to your end result in a leaner and more sustainable way and if somebody tells you they can teach you how to do that in a three-month time period it's not going to happen this is a, a long-term process and if I have somebody that only wants to work with me for three months, that's completely fine. I can help them get close or potentially reach the initial goal, but there's coaches and, and programs out there. This is the problem with like an eight or just an eight or 12 week program is it doesn't right. teach you. It doesn't set you up for a goal after the goal. And so if I'm working with somebody and, and let's say they only want to work together for three months or whatever it may be, we'll do it. But I make sure to explain like, look, this is going to help you get to the goal, but to sustain that goal, you're going to need a few months afterwards to learn to find your new maintenance. Um, so if you're wanting to slightly get away from tracking, you're going to have to learn get your hormones and your metabolism back up to an optimized state to where we can try to eat a little bit more intuitively and these different types of things. So you can reach a goal in three months if you've got 10, 15 pounds to lose maybe. But um, again, understanding that this is a periodization is a long-term process. Your nutrition isn't something that goes away. And so many people think that you can reach a goal. Okay, I'm good. I'll just go back to eating as normal. And you put all that weight, if not more back on. And, and that's why you end up so frustrated because you're not periodizing anything. No, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more, man. And I, it's like, I have everybody I work with is a minimum of three months, Same. but I will say for, it's very, very rare. People don't go quite a bit longer than that. And I mean, I try to pack as much education as I can into the first three months, mm -hmm. because again, that is the minimum commitment. I don't want to make sure people can leave with all the confidence, all the certainty in the world that they can't do this on their own if they do leave after three months, but there's so much to be said for actually being coached through a maintenance phase for being coached through all these different phases. I think that like once you've coached a client, like I have a client that's working with me right now, just so we can go through all these different phases. Okay. What does a fat loss phase look like? Maintenance phase. What's a building phase look like? Me too. That's cool. And then you have a super good understanding of that. And then you've been coached through it. You can take it out on your own and you can probably coach other people through it. Yeah. At least I'm guessing in your case, this is a coach as well, right? Yeah. Okay. 100%. So, so yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I don't really have, I had one more thing I was going to say to that, but now I can't think of it, but I think we, we pretty much smashed that one. <laughs> I like it. You ready for another one? Yes, sir. All right. This is, um, an interesting one. I, I want to hear your opinion on this. Have you ever heard of the blood type diet and do you put any stock in it? I know very little about it. I've heard of it. Same. I will Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, same with me, I think, and you can carry on, but I think whenever you start naming a diet before you follow it, I think you run into some trouble. Yeah. I, right out of the gate, I would say it doesn't sound like, I mean, no matter what, 
we have these foundational rules of nutrition, right? Like across the world, that I didn't even know what angle to attack this from. <laughs> I feel like, like essentially we have the most important thing, no matter what is going to be like for fat loss. If we're looking at, I mean, we're talking about diet. So obviously we're talking about fat loss. One, is it something you can stick to long-term two? Does it allow you to control calories? And then three, does it allow you to get all the nutrients you need? So like plenty of protein, plenty of fat, and then all these different micronutrients you need for health. Past that point, I think that the problem with, and I don't even, I could just be stereotyping the blood type diet because honestly, I don't know enough about it to give an opinion on it. But I'm guessing it's, I think when you, like you said, when you start naming diets, then there's a lot of like, things that are sold along with this specific diet. Like, okay, these are the supplements you have to take for the blood type diet. And again, I don't know anything about the blood type diet, but generally they get typecast as like, this is the only diet everybody should follow. You have to follow the diet for your blood type. And then I think, again, we kind of get into like the same arguments as like keto or paleo, where like for some people, if this isn't sustainable long-term, then again, taking it back to the most important thing is something you can stick to and it just doesn't work. Um, as far as like the actual physiology of, can you choose the best diet for you based on your blood type? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> that's my thoughts on it. Oh, same with me. I, and that's basically what the, that diet implies from what I know is that your specific blood type tells you which macronutrients or macronutrients you should eat more of which macronutrients you should stay away from which foods are going to be best for you for overall health. And even, I think they even claim for fat loss, which right. again, it comes down to first and foremost, the law of thermodynamics, calories in versus calories out for everybody, regardless of your blood type. That's right. what dictates weight loss or weight gain. And then it comes down to having a sufficient amount of protein to be able to hang on to lean muscle tissue, to repair lean muscle tissue, to help you stay fuller throughout the diet. And then your micronutrients, foods that are healthy for you, um, that are going to be a little bit more voluminous so you can stay fuller for longer. And then from there, it's just finding the foods, in my opinion, that agree with you most. And you'll figure yeah. that out. If you, right. Instead of trying to name a diet and follow that, you'll start to eat and you'll realize what helps you stay fuller, what, what makes you hungrier after you eat it, what causes cravings, what doesn't. And then you start creating a diet for yourself right. instead of trying to follow a diet that has any sort of a name for it. it honestly, none of us should be following the exact same diet. We all have different right. palates. We all have different um, likes. We all have different cravings and finding the foods that you can stick to consistently that you enjoy to eat, but also help you reach your goals of whatever that may be in terms of progress is the diet that you should be following. What I do every single day is different than what Jeremiah does every single day. The principles that we're following are the exact same. I'm sure he's paying attention to his calories in versus calories out. He's paying attention to his macronutrient profiles and he's paying attention to his, um, his micronutrients. And then potentially even if we're just going to go through the whole pyramid of Eric Helms, we're going to get into meal timing and then potentially supplements. But anyway, um, that's what it comes down to. Whenever you try to name a diet, I think you're, and follow it um, without individualizing it to, to yourself, you're asking for, a short-term result, which then again comes back to nutritional periodization and all those exactly. sorts of things. So, so yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. And I think it's, even if there are like, I'm realizing I don't know very much about blood types, 
but however many I don't either. Happen, I don't either. <laughs> however many blood types there happen to be, even if there are like four different diet types in here, it's still again we run into the same problem as all these other diet camps. You're still very much restricted to okay, there's these four lanes you can stay in. If you fall off, now what? Mm-hmm. And I've never, regardless, I'm sure I've worked with many people with many different types of blood types, and I've never had an issue of somebody not losing weight due to that blood <laughs> that they have now that doesn't maybe there is something to back up that certain foods will agree with you better with your blood type again i have no idea jeremiah i don't have any <laughs> I need to idea that into that, I guess. yeah but uh that's probably out of i guess it's not out of our scope but it's not something that's ever been brought to to my attention or even needed to be brought to my attention because of a potential situation or anything so 100 oh, percent, man so yeah my turn again or is it your turn uh that's all the questions i had Okay. Are you good to keep going for just a second? Absolutely, dude. Let's do it. Okay, cool. How's the blood? Okay. I've been diagnosed anemic and my, I've had some pretty serious questions today. I've been diagnosed anemic and my physician told me to take more iron, but can I just up my protein? I'd listen to your physician on that one. That is, that is a situation where if somebody said that, like in coaching, I would say, it's not going to harm you to up your protein as well. But definitely take your physician's advice here and definitely supplement with iron. Like we have to put your health on the priority. I think they might be implying that to get more iron, can I just up my protein? And and yeah, like I get that. But again, I would still say like that's a situation where I literally just go with what your physician says and don't try to uh, find your own way. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. But again, just upping your protein intake isn't going to automatically. Well, it actually might. Is there iron in all protein sources? A sufficient amount? So like in, I know in red meats, there are, I know Mm -hmm. in chicken, there is like in fibrous sources. Yeah. And then even carb sources, typically like sweet potatoes, um, oatmeal, even like breakfast cereals, things like that, I believe have a decent amount of iron. So if you're just trying to find ways to up your iron, I would research more heavily into what foods are higher in iron rather than just mindlessly eating more protein because you could be eating more protein that's not as sufficient in iron, which is not helping you from what your physician told you in the, in the first place, just to originally up your iron. So right, right. I would say this is a situation where supplement as your advice, try to work on improving these through diet. Like, okay, you're getting more iron in through diet. And then eventually you'll probably get to the point where, okay, you go back to your physician and now you're crushing it with your diet. You don't need to keep supplementing. Then great. You've made that change, but I wouldn't just like go cold turkey. Like, I'm not going to take this iron supplement. I'm just going to try to figure out my diet because obviously there's been a deficiency there in the past. Absolutely. I agree. And again, that question is a bit out of our scope. We don't diagnose people and different types of things. We can tell you foods that are higher in iron, but anything past that, Jeremiah and myself are both going to tell you, listen to your doctor and what he has to say to you. Always. All right. Last one. Is collagen really as important as all of the people say it is? That's kind of like a hot supplement in the last. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as for a protein source, collagen isn't going to be a quality protein source or it's not going to be as good. I've heard basically count about half of the protein in like a collagen protein as you would get from like 
a quality whey protein. Mm-hmm. Bioavailability just isn't as good. So it's similar to like eating a lot of plant protein, for example. Whereas can, you ex- like, can you explain what that is, bioavailability? So basically just your body's ability to uptake all these amino acids, mm-hmm. basically to take the pro- your dietary protein that you eat and turn it into muscle protein with like plant sources or collagen protein. It's just not as good. Your body basically can't make as much use of that protein to turn it into muscle. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing things like this and here I'm attacking it from like the protein source perspective, it's at least as far as like a protein source goes, which is what I see a lot of people using it for like, okay, this is my collagen protein. It's just not as quality. Does that make sense? No, 100%. I, I agree. Um, I am not a huge supplement guy from the get-go anyway. So, yeah, I don't think it's as – if somebody's hyping up a supplement to tell you how good the benefits are of it, usually the benefits are maybe 25% of what they're hyping up because, again, supple, the supplement industry is – a business. They're trying to make money just like anybody else. So they're going to hype up whatever it is that they're trying to sell you. So I, I think there are some studies out there showing that it, it can improve hair growth, mm-hmm. like nail growth. It can even potentially um, help you have healthier skin and then potentially your joints. Is that correct? I think, I think joints and ligaments, it helps a bit too. Okay. And I think that's where it is. Like it might, I have honestly benefit. haven't, but I haven't dived super deep in the collagen research. I feel like this is so again, it's kind of like the blood type diet. I don't feel like it's something I can speak on super heavily outside of like how it is as a protein source. Um, From what I know though, and you know, it's not mm-hmm. the, yeah, general recommendation. It's probably, it's not the best source, especially if you're using it for muscle to exactly. Build muscle. Exactly. I, I mean, I think there's some other potential health benefits, like you said, like if you're concerned about your hair, but if we're t- look, looking at like, Okay, essential supplements that you need to take, which I mean, we could argue there's probably not any essential supplements, but if you were to give a client a list of, okay, here's all the supplements I recommend you take, it's pretty unlikely that collagen is going to be on there, right? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting way to, to take it, maybe to help more people with that question is if you had to give somebody a, just a general recommendation of supplements, mm-hmm. what would what would that be like somebody that you don't have a lot of information on just generally, if their goal is to be leaner, have a healthier overall body and a better composition, what right. supplements do you think um, would add the most bang for your buck? Okay. So creatine monohydrate is always going to be a good one. There's for both building muscle and actually for cognitive function, they've shown a ton of benefits for creatine. If you're somebody that doesn't eat fatty fish very often, so I'd say less than twice a week, some type of omega-3 supplement can also be helpful. So like fish oil, krill oil, something like that. And then past that point, I mean, honestly, ideally you're eating a lot of nutrient-dense foods, so we don't necessarily need something like a multivitamin. But again, it's kind of meeting the client where they're at. So if you are somebody that doesn't eat like a lot of fruits, veggies, and all these diverse foods, I would say generally like a multivitamin can't hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's sometimes something to recommend as well. And then we're looking at like, okay, are you getting plenty of greens in? If not, okay, maybe we start supplementing with the greens powder. More ideal probably that you just eat two to three servings of greens a day. But again, we get a supplement with greens powder. If not, are you struggling to get your protein in? And then again, like it's more ideal that you get this all from whole foods 
but it's more ideal that you hit it from a combination of whole foods and protein powder than probably not hitting your protein goal at all. So past that point, I mean, of course, caffeine, if not necessary, but it's it can supplement, <laughs> but I'm addicted <laughs> to it. It's, it can help your training performance some, but I mean, again, all of those are, could you get by, could you get great results without any of those? hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree. One hundred percent. Those are the, ex- that's exactly what I would say as well, dude. So yeah, I can't I think of that. any, anything else at the moment. Honestly, I don't even, I'm not taking really anything. I have a protein powder a little bit that I'll use, but for the most part, not really much of, of any supplement. So are they beneficial? Absolutely. They can be just as Jeremiah said to supplement whatever you're doing, but it doesn't mean don't go to the supplement store. If you're going to try to lose weight and think that's the first task or the first investment right. you need to make to create a result that you're looking for. Cause it's really the last. That's how exactly when you were talking about the nutrition pyramid at the very least important at the very tip of the pyramid, we have supplements and most people it's just once you have all these calories macros micros meal timing you have your sleep your stress on point you're getting such good results you don't really need to take it much further than that again like past these few staples that we know are proven to be beneficial yeah 100 percent, man that's all the the questions i got i could sit here and chat with you all day and go back and forth on this stuff because it's fun but <laughs> not a question yeah, dude, that, was awesome. <laughs> that was i uh i really appreciate you coming on dude i know you're gonna um, put this on yours too, but just for everybody on my podcast, tell them where they can find you, what you have going on, uh, where, where you'd like them to find out more about you and, and your content and stuff. Of course. So you can follow me on Instagram at Jeremiah Bear, B-A-I-R. Um, my website is bearfit.com. There I drop weekly, a weekly blog packed with knowledge. Um, I have a podcast living lean which will be again this episode will be coming out on there as well and yeah that's where you can find me and he has um a lot of cool guests that come on to his podcast you've talked to a lot of cool people in the industry which has been super cool to be able to listen to and to to hear from so you guys definitely go check out that his get lead podcast is awesome you'll learn a lot there and his content on instagram is honestly some of the best helpful content that you can find on Instagram. If Thank you're you, looking man. to to change your body composition and have practical practical advice to be able to go out and do exactly and know exactly what you need to do to create the result you're looking for, you can find it all on his page. So I highly suggest you guys to go look at that. I'll link that down below in the LNL Talk podcast as well. So I really do appreciate you, Jeremiah. The the relationship we've been able to build just through podcasting, man, has been a lot of fun. And I awesome, really dude. It. So thanks, dude. No, likewise, man. And thank you so much for having me here, bro.